0: For player profiles, in-depth features and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue. Um, You may have seen or you may not have seen uh, on our Patreon platform over the past couple of months, we've been doing some some talking transfers episodes and that's with a a focus, a singular focus on one club and um, similar to the the, the episodes that we've had on this podcast, um, looking at the the moves that that an individual team has done over this this transfer period. Um, We've typically covered um the, the bigger teams so far, um, you know, your your is Manchester United and that sort of thing. Um, but as ever in the world of football and, and especially in in our in our line of work, if you will, um, it's it's usually the the mid-ranging teams who tend to do the more interesting business, the ones who go for the, the more daring sign-ins, perhaps, shall we say? Um, and that's that's kind of the inspiration of today's episode, is that we're going to cover Southampton. Uh, it's a bit of a two-parter. Uh, first off, we're gonna we're gonna speak to to scout Lou Davies, um, who obviously. Presides over everything youth football, uh, and and uh, and then later we're going to speak to to the athletics Jacob Tanswell, who is the Southampton reporter down there at St Mary's. So, um, without further ado, Lou, welcome to, to the podcast. Um, you you've you, you've quite enjoyed seeing the the, the business that, that Southampton have done this summer, and 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 I suppose you could extend it back to last summer as well, couldn't you?
1: Yeah, I think it's just a a really interesting summer so far, obviously, and. They've invested heavily in youth and not just youth. Uh, they really are emerging talents in 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 their profiles. A lot of them haven't really played senior football. Uh, I think Sekumare is one. And then obviously you have the uh the signings from Manchester City with uh Romeo Lavia, particularly, who hasn't really broken into senior football at all. So it's an interesting strategy that they've got going on in Southampton. I think it's been uh it's been led by joe shields obviously they uh they rec- who they recruited from manchester city themselves as a uh, as a new head of recruitment but he was in charge of uh city's academy recruitment before that and obviously they have a uh, a strong track record of of finding really high level talent and developing them so um yeah it's interesting to see how that scales up to a to a to a club like southampton with uh, different needs and different financial backing obviously and uh yeah so far Very interesting summer.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you you look. I mean, we'll go through the signings first, shall we? Uh, And I suppose we could probably go back to last summer um, to begin with, um, and 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 look at the 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 players that came in because there's quite a, a theme of you know plucking the the players who maybe. Can't see a, a a pathway for them at, at an elite at, at an elite club. You know they're coming through an elite academy. They're doing very well there. Um, you know I'm am th- thinking your your Romeo Lavias, for example. Um, but last season Southampton brought in the the, the likes of of Daniel Simo and, and, and Tino Livramento from Chelsea. Um, they signed Thierry Small from Everton. I think he was still 16 at the time. Um, and you know they, they they also loaned in Armando Broja from from Chelsea, who's probably the one which you know, people will most um, most fondly remember from from his time at Southampton last last year. Um, but this season or this upcoming season, Southampton have done similar in terms of they've gone to some of the Premier League's bigger academies. They've they've looked at the players who um, you know who who could add something at a first team level and they've they've added them to the squad. And you know they started off by, by adding Gavin Bazunu from Manchester City, who by all accounts had a great, great loan spell at Portsmouth um, they they signed Romeo Lavia as you just mentioned from Man City as well there Lou and and on top of that as well they've they've gone for I think you could probably say I mean inexperienced Premier League players I mean given that you know the the other signings have been Joe Aribo from Rangers who by all means is not an inexperienced player but at Premier League level he he isn't he's he's obviously come up through from non league to to Charlton and then to Rangers before making it to the Premier League um, and then also 19 year old Seku Mara from from Bordeaux. Uh, and Armel Belacotchup from from Bochum in Germany as well. So they are, you know, to to the naked eye, they they are quite left field signings. There's a lot been a lot of faith been placed in them that they are going to be able to integrate and 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 be able to play at a Premier League level. But from a purely recruitment perspective, it seems very targeted, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, they've they've drilled down on a strategy that they want to implement, and they and they're implementing it across the club. Uh, I think it's quite interesting from Southampton's pers- pers- perspective in that um, it's a club that we normally uh, associate with bringing through their own youth players. So obviously back in the, maybe the early 2010s, you had the likes of Oxley, chamberlain Luke Shaw, I'm probably forgetting one or two, but it was a club that was considered to be a, uh, a very homegrown academy club, but now they've sort of shifted away from that model uh, through whatever reason. I'm sure Jacob Tanswell can... Uh, can divulge a, bit, a little bit more about that topic but um yeah but they've they've shifted the focus now to to signing some of the best young players from other clubs and uh yeah it's it's a bold strategy especially when they concentrate it as as much as they have this season obviously the, the i think the average age of their signing so far is probably about 20 odd, uh 2019 um so yeah it's a it's a bold strategy i think in Southampton's case, they sort of needed this refresh again. Jacob can tell you a little bit more, but um, I was listening to the uh, to the Ben uh, to the Ben Foster podcast the other day, and he mentioned that when clubs like Southampton get onto the uh, get onto the beach, so to say, and they lose that sort of motivation after a, after a strong first half of the season, it can be difficult to shake off that that sort of malaise. So they sort of needed um, this fresh fresh blood. And, uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of influence it has on the team going forward. I think there's another aspect to it as well that it safeguards them a little bit in terms of if they do get relegated, they have some really high level talent that they can fall back on in the likes of Lavia Bazunu, maybe with a couple more that they might bring in from from the academy scene but uh yeah, interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, and and that's a fair a fair point that you make there as well in terms of um you know the they're the type of players that if they didn't bed in in the, in the first season at Premier League level then you would you'd peg them as being sort of leading championship players um with another sort of 12 months under the belt if you know Southampton were to be relegated but I think not too many people are going to be uh, are going to be forecasting that this season. I think while they they are always in with a shout due to the size of the club um I think that you know Ralph Hasenhtohl kind of does generally keep them on an even keel and I think um he's he's a reasonably good manager um and and clearly he's 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 got the the backing of the um of the board in terms of um what is uh, is is going on on the transfer front as well um looking at it from sort of a, an analyst's perspective and and Lou you're obviously you you're a very uh, esteemed analyst that you've been you've been <laughs> fantastic for, in everything you've written and and shared on on Scout over the years um you know, looking at the, the individual players that have been brought in, sort of the profiles and, and where that fits with um, you know, Southampton as a as a team currently and, and the, the 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 um the profiles that are already at the squad. I mean, you looked at um the the signing of Tino Livramento last summer and you, you could see that okay, this was a team who at to to, to that point I mean, apart from Carl Walker, Peters had you know hadn't really had a, a player like Tino Livramento to to hold down a, a place in the team, um, and you know it, it worked really well up until he, he suffered that unfortunate injury, which I think you could probably put down to just a, a fact that he was playing regularly for, for England's Twenty Ones as well at the time, and maybe just a, a bit too much too much loading on him. But in terms of the the new lads, you know, in particular, I think Joe Aribo. I mean, I know he's not. 23 and under, but you know, for someone to have come up through through the leagues and and as someone who you know w- when he was at Charlton was was certainly one of the the, the EFL picks that you know you, you were you were harping on about. W- what is it about about him and sort of this young young team that that, that definitely um, seems as though it, it's a good fit, a good stylistic fit between the the two?
1: Yeah, I think Joe Aribo comes off a uh, I think it's what three seasons in Rangers at Rangers. Sorry, um, obviously he did very well there coming up from Charlton where he where he did really well in league 1 as well so that's an interesting one i don't know too much about him uh but i think obviously with his profile he's five, maybe 5 or 6 years older than the than the other recruits so far this summer so he's probably one that they're banking on to make a an immediate impact and then um, yeah i think the other really interesting one is is Romeo Lavia so he's been a standout for Manchester City now at, at youth level for a couple of seasons uh, anyone that's watched him uh, under, tw- uh, under 23 level and the 19 level would say that this guy is really good. He's he's very mature for his age. And it's quite an interesting thing in that I thought that City would have kept him around. I wasn't really anticipating them to move, to move him on so quickly uh, or so soon. Um, I think maybe if Fernandinho was a couple of years younger, they probably would have kept him around to shadow the first team. But obviously with Fernandinho leaving, they had to replace that that um that sort of first team ready backup or or competition and they have done in in Philip, with Calvin Phillips. So Lavia leaving is no surprise given that. But on the overall I thought maybe City would have kept him around because he is that specialist number six that fits the City way to a T almost and I thought he would have been a, a, a little bit of a pet project for Pep. Uh but Southampton have obviously come in. They've they've paid a a fairly hefty fee for someone that has only played, I don't know, maybe two or three senior senior games. Um, I've watched his, I've watched all of his touches in preseason so far, and he seems to have taken pretty quickly to Southampton and 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 the way that Hazenhutl wants to play. Um, obviously there's quite a uh, a decent overlap in terms of styles. In terms of Lavia, is a two-touch player. He can uh, get on the ball and move it within two touches really easily. That's what is bread and butter bread and butter is as a as a player. Uh he can cover space uh laterally which is another big facet of what Southampton need in their midfield. They need that guy that can that can cover across the middle third and and break up play. And uh yeah, he's probably my favourite signing of the summer so far and then Um, Armel Belakotchap is another guy that I've watched plenty of. I've watched him at the Zweite Bundesliga level at at Bochum, and then when he stepped up to the Bundesliga last season, I think he's another guy that subscribes to the Hasenhutter model in terms of squeezing the game. He's really, really good at pressing up onto the back of attackers to overwhelm them with his size, and and his size is pretty spectacular. When you look at him, he's 20 years old, but he's already built... uh, like a like a twenty eight year old almost. He's he's tall. He's he's physical. He's got really thick thighs, a really strong core. He's definitely Premier League ready in that in that regard. And uh, yeah, he's another good fit in terms of that Hasenhutler style. I, I have a couple of question marks about his uh, about his current ability on the ball and how that uh, sort of limits his ceiling. I think he can be pressured into some uh, bad mistakes, bad touches, and that's another thing to uh, pick up on that there will be mistakes with these players but Southampton sort of need to play through them well they have to play through them given the uh given the level of investment that they've that they've placed into these players so yeah um just interesting stuff and it'll be really interesting to see how they bed into the team um Sekumara as well I watched a little bit of him at Bordeaux last season he's obviously uh you can't really read too much from bordeaux last season given how much of a, an absolute shambles they were on and off the pitch and and continue to be but they were real fresh uh, real flashes of a of a complete center forward profile in terms of a guy that can stretch play that's probably his his primary th- uh, weapon at the moment he can stretch into space very well but he's uh, got a decent size pretty quick quite robust he can drop to link play, he can drift wide to to sort of facilitate down the wings. And uh, I think the two-man striker partnership at Southampton will help take a little bit of the pressure off him and, and hopefully give him uh, a pathway into the first team, which is a little more gentle, shall you say.
0: Yeah, I think our very good friend Stephen Ganavis would describe Armel Bella up as a truck. <laughs> um, in, in in possibly the most reductive manner possible, but he would be very right in saying so. You're right when you say he's he's built like a 28 year old. He does not look as as he's just turned 20 or just about to turn 21. Um, but yeah, I agree with you in the in the sense that you know maybe he could be pressured into um a few poor touches. But that I suppose that you know if if you if you want to be signing finished articles, you're not going to be signing them for the fees that Southampton have got these players for. Um, exactly. I mean, Lavia aside, essentially because. You know they're going to go to clubs who are going to be higher up the table. You'd you'd, you'd theorise, but um, in terms of how much these players are going to feature this season, I mean, you look at the the ones who've come in: Bazunu, Belakotchap, uh, Lavia, Aribo, and and Sekumara. I think probably Joe Aribo aside, um, who you'd, you'd assume would would you know go straight into this this starting eleven um, under Ralph Hasenhüttl. You know where where and and how much do you think that that the rest of the these new signings will play?
1: So, so far in pre-season, Lavia and Bella Kochap have played uh, pretty much every game. They've, they've started every game. I think they've played the majority of their minutes. So I wasn't really anticipating that with Bella Kochap. I thought maybe they'd keep him uh, under wraps a little bit similar to how they did with uh, Silisu. I think they did. But it looks like he's going to come straight in. I think there might have been uh, a system change at Southampton as well to a to a three at the back system, which would help. Catch up with in terms of minutes straight away. It it opens up another another space for him. Uh, I think Lavia similarly is. Uh, it looks like he's going to be trusted to be a starter pretty much straight away. I think there was a quote which uh, Jacob can can flesh out on. Uh, I think it was yesterday from Hazenhutl, which uh, mentioned Oriol Romeo being a bit more of an attacking midfielder compared to Lavia, and uh, I think Lavia is earmarked to be that starter as a six, which is uh, sort of indicative of probably his preseason, but also indicative of what he is as a player. He's very mature for his age. It was something that that stood out at youth level. You could see that he was maybe two or three years uh, older than he he actually was in terms of just like the decision-making, his composure on the ball, composure off the ball, the stability he provides. And then I think uh, Sekumara is probably going to be a bit more of a bit-part player. Um, I think there's still talk that they might be adding another another striker uh, to to the fold. I think uh, Liam Delap is the name, uh, another Manchester City player. Uh, so I think he will be bled in a little bit more gently, shall shall we say? I think there'll be minutes for him off the bench predominantly, and uh, well, I think he does have the profile to to be impactful from from the off, but yeah. It that that's one that won't be quite as immediate, I think.
0: Do you see DeLapp potentially being sort of the 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 fill in or the replacement for for Brogia if if you know he doesn't end up coming back to Southampton, which obviously doesn't look to be the case at the moment.
1: Absolutely, I was saying this to uh to Stevie the other day that it just seems like a like for like replacement in terms of their mm. their styles and skill sets. I think you've watched him as well. He's like that big, big hulking. Uh, physical striker that stretches into space, similar to what Breuer did. Uh, he can. He's sort of Premier League uh, ready already in terms of his athleticism. I think there's a bit, a few question marks about lapsed durability. He's uh, broken down a couple of times with some injuries at youth level. So that would be something to watch and that would be something for, uh, for Southampton to consider if they're going to invest a big 20 million fee into him that he might not be ready in terms of durability to, to come in and be the starter that I need him to be straight away. But yeah, he is very similar to Breuer in, in skill sets. And yeah, I think uh, a strike partnership of, of uh, De La Pamara is quite an interesting one in terms of, they seem to work together on paper anyway.
0: I suppose one thing to consider in all this as well, though, is that you know Southampton not being an elite club or an elite academy at at present. That is, um, you know, you that they're kind of. I mean, last year they plucked you know the likes of Broya and 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 Liveramento and Simeon from from Chelsea. This year they've gone for Um Bazunu, Lavia, and potentially DeLap from Manchester City. You know, this it's it feels as though they're they're benefiting or one of the few clubs that are benefiting from from sort of the overspill of elite academies, um. And admittedly, you might not agree that it's it is benefiting. Um, considering that fifteen million was spent on Lavia, given um the, the the lack of actual Premier League experience he has. But you know, we've seen similar with with the likes of Bayern Munich as well. That um the the overspill there is essentially going to sustain other clubs, smaller clubs, but still playing at the at the same level. Um, you know, is there a concern that maybe there is a drawback to that in the form of sort of buybacks and and maybe kind of being shackled to um you know to, to these bigger clubs
1: yeah i I think the overall point is is probably the most interesting one that is developing uh in football right now i think we've seen over the past five six years that that youth players are much more aware of their own value they the wool can't be pulled over the rise so much as in uh as with previous seasons i think or previous summers you you typically see that a few people would uh, they'd get those sort of sympathy minutes at, at the end of the season, and they sign a new contract straight away. I think that's that sort of um, that shifting away. Youth players are much more bullish in the in the in the moves that they make for their careers, and I think if if you're a club like Southampton, uh, with, who don't really have the big financial backing, they don't really have uh, and their own academy players coming through really at the moment so if if you're that club that can place that can place itself beneath the the highest table and catch the crumbs that are falling off it then there is a lot of value to be had um i think at the elite level right now we've already seen chelsea and psg have gone well beyond that tipping point where the the youth uh the volume of players coming through just they just don't have the pathways into 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 first team football or the first team squad uh, at the current club, so they have to move away. I think we've seen it obviously with Guehi, Tamori. <clears throat> I think we'll see it again with Levi Colwill at Chelsea this summer, which will be probably the biggest mistake of the lot for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if Southampton are, are placing themselves to to be in the race for Colwell as well. Um, but yeah, I think City have are now at that tipping point as well, where they have those high level talents that are stuck on the uh, just waiting to break into senior football. I think Arsenal are coming to that stage as well. buy-in, as you say, uh, similarly, I think it's just a result of these clubs not stockpiling talent, but they're definitely recruiting heavily in these high-level talents from from domestic clubs and abroad. And uh, this is just a natural consequence. I think the overall point is that very few will make it at these sort of clubs. I think maybe people need to temper their expectations as a whole in terms of when they see a when they see a promising talent come through the come through the academy then it's just very unlikely that they make it at the club as a as a regular first team starter i think obviously there's there's roles for them as squad players which is something that chelsea have struggled to do uh in recent seasons they haven't had those academy players to be the squad players that they probably could be but yeah if if you're a club like southampton i think leeds have done it a a little bit uh Brighton have, have benefited it from, from with Lamptey in particular if you can be that club that provides the pathways into senior football regardless of whether the 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 selling club have a buyback or not there is so much value in in being that club and obviously there's ways to do it you can't just stockpile your own talent with these talents that, that you have you have to have like a designated pathway for them but yeah I think Southampton have in the past couple of seasons they've that's the strategy and uh Yeah, it's an interesting strategy
0: well we'll have to wait and see won't we i mean the, the by the time this is is released then southampton may have made more moves in the transfer market but um obviously the the window doesn't close until the end of august and that'll be five or six games into the season so we'll have to see where they are further down the line but um lou thank you very much for uh, for for sharing your insights on on those players it'll be interesting to see um whether your predictions are correct but i, I suspect i suspect they will be um the with in terms of the minutes that, that the likes of mara and Lavia and and the like are going to play but um yeah we'll uh, we'll reconvene for for part 2 shortly Welcome to part two of this week's Scouted Football podcast. Uh, We're discussing Southampton, uh, and I'm delighted to welcome the Athletic correspondent Jacob Tanswell to the podcast. Um, Jacob has previously covered Bournemouth in his Championship and was the inaugural winner of the Hugh McIlvaney Student Football Writer of the Year award. And I'm reliably informed has been a keen Saints man through it all. Um, Welcome to the part of Scouted debut. We've had uh, we haven't had too many of them recently, but um, yeah, how's it going, Jacob?
2: Yeah, thank you, Joe. And that's a lovely introduction. Um, Yeah, good to be back covering Southampton. so I had a good time at Bournemouth, but yeah, back enjoy, enjoying and discussing my club. So yeah, all good. Thanks, mate.
0: Back on home turf, and we were just saying before there that you know it seems as though you're 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 always um, knee deep in transfers whenever you're uh, <laughs> whenever you take on a new role. I mean, it's been as we as. Uh, listeners will know from sort of the first half of this pod, it's been a pretty busy summer from from uh, an incomings perspective. It's at St Mary's, hasn't it?
2: Mm, and it's something that Salamson fans haven't seen in a couple of decades, to be honest with you. Um, normally, they take a lot, of, a lot of time. Normally, it's quite protracted. It's normally three or four signings at most. The fact they've had six coming in already, and it looks like they could even get up to 10. I'm sure we'll discuss this uh, by the end of the window is something that Salamson fans haven't ever been used to really so really exciting and it keeps me on my toes definitely
0: <laughs> definitely um so I guess the, my first question really is what who is the sort of the mastermind behind this recruitment drive then because I know we have Joe Shields who's come in as the new head of senior recruitment so that was at the beginning of July um but you know is it is this a, a Ralph hasenhuddle driven thing is this a,
2: a new ownership driven thing well the first thing to know is Sports Republic they came in early January so this is really their first full transfer window and they knew that they had to overhaul, basically, the way Southampton were running because at the time they were working on a sell-to-buy budget, which you know limited their scouting network, limited the type of players they could recruit. They couldn't really buy anyone over ten million. And with the additional investment of Sports Republic, they knew that they would have to be clever, but they would have money now to perhaps accelerate those changes that they want that Southampton. Fans and some of the hierarchy wanted last year. If you remember, they signed Tina Livramento. The reason why they got him was because he fitted into their plans, but more personally, because he was £5 million. where well, now I think they wanted to continue with that direction of travel, but they now had additional funds behind them. So Sports Republic came in, the lead investor by Dragon Solak. But it was co-founded by two, two men. And one of those men was Rasmus Ankerson, who was the co-director of, of football at Brentford. So he had the ideas of really sh- you know, rewiring the network. And I think it was his influence, as well as Martin Simmons, who was already the existing chief executive, that brought in Joe Shields. Because they really felt, you know through Livermento last year and Brogia to some extent, that buying these young players from other clubs like the Man Cities or the Chelsea's could really, really work. It's a bold strategy. But it's something that's being pushed and driven by Sports Republic.
0: You know, you're talking about signing players from uh, your Chelsea's and your Manchester cities. And and obviously, I mean, even going back to the days of Oriol Romeo, um, you know, yeah. the signing from Chelsea many, many, many many, many summers ago. Um, you know, the 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 picking up the, the crumbs from the top table, um, as as Lou said in the the first part of this podcast, um, you know, that that has been in fits and starts has been sort of a a fruitful policy but as you say it's been restricted to that sell to buy model Mm -hmm. whereas now you're looking at the the likes of you know 15 million pounds being spent on Romeo Lavia um, a player with not a great deal of you know senior experience but someone who is incredibly highly rated in sort of youth football circles and you can see that shift and I think it's important that you make that you know the the distinction that that Rasmus Ankersen is, is involved in some capacity because you know I mean, Brentford, the size of a club that Brentford is, they don't essentially get to the Premier League without, you know, just, you know being steered in a, in a clear direction um, mm. as as they were uh, when they were in the in the EFL with, you know, the, your, your Matthew Benhams and your Ankersons and, and the like. So mm. I suppose, you know, my next question is looking at the new signings um, and we've discussed them on, on part one, but uh, in terms of the what, what what style of player they are. From a Southampton perspective, where where do the new signings fit, and, and who do you envisage, you know, playing a, a you know, hitting the ground running and, and playing a key role straight away?
2: Well, the, the whole USP of Southampton at the moment, the thing they're trying to model themselves on, is the fact that okay, they'll bring young players in that have not had much experience or limited experience with with the first team at their clubs, and they will play straight away. It's not the case of just coming into the B team because they might as well stay at Chelsea or Man City for that. But the fact is they are coming in to start and they're coming in to feature heavily. You saw Livermento last year, first game of the season against Everton. He was right back and Kyle Walker-Peters, who's been Southampton's best player really in the last two or three years, was left on the bench. So you see Romeo Lavia coming in. You see in pre-season already, he's already replaced Oriel Romeo at the base of midfield. And he's going to be the guy that is likely to start on that first game against Spurs. So that is the USP. Gavin Bazuna as well. I think Alex McCarthy signed the, the contract uh, last year that he would be the number one, perhaps. And now Bazuna's come in, and it looks like he might be the number one now. So all these young players, you know, does it They don't care, regardless of whether they've got top flight experience. They're coming in and they're being trusted by the hierarchy. And in a manager in Ralph Hasen that believes in young players and gives them a chance. Uh, that they're going to be featuring heavily in the Premier League. And that's why so many players want to come because Romeo Lavia Man City didn't want to lose him. But the fact is, Southampton were offering Premier League football straight away, where it's going to take a couple more years at Man City. So that's why he came. And that's really the USP of Southampton.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can see there's, there's, there's a clear sales pitch, if you will, um, hmm. the, to to these young players. And you can see why they would be uh, you know attractive moves. And because, you know, while Southampton are not, uh, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, they're one of the favourites to go down, but you're going to be competing every week for, you know, for something which matters. Whereas you keep playing B-team football, you keep playing 21s football. And essentially, you know, the the prizes, while they are very good winning a PL2 title, it's not the same as, you know, playing regular Premier League football, you know, the ad- adulation and the adoration of, of fans at a, at a senior level and, and just the, the experience of, of regular football as well. And I think, you know, looking at the likes of Breuer and, and um and and antino livramento as well the, the the leaps and bounds that they've taken over the past 12 months since since getting that at at southampton at, at, in the premier league you know mm-hmm. specifically has um it's definitely benefited them so um it, i think that's probably why we've seen you know the i mean from my perspective it's probably why we've seen southampton become quite a, uh, an alluring destination for these mm-hmm. types of players uh, like your bazounos and your and your, your Romeo lavias um he might not be the last Manchester City player coming in. I mean we discussed that on, on the on part one that um that that Liam DeLap is a player that, that Southampton like and, and it's easy to see why. You know his his record at, at 23's s level has been immense over the past couple of seasons. You know, he's that similar sort of burly... um you know, in your face striker, but is is very good at opening in his legs. Mm. Is, is that the sort of sort of move that you could see Southampton going for and staying with this model, or or do you think that the, the club are going to maybe look for someone a bit more experienced, a bit more senior to replace those 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 Broder goals?
2: I think if you speak to people with close links to the club, I think they wouldn't mind perhaps a little bit more experience because at the moment the the owners does forward twenty seven year old James Ball prowls as as the granddad mm. of, of the group, but in terms of Liam Delap. You know, I've, it's been mentioned to me that Salampton are trying to recruit players six foot or over because they realise that they need to have added physicality in this team, just you know, to offset that lack of experience perhaps. And Delap fits a profile, like you say, he's bustling, he's he's technically good, similar to Brosia. and he's from Man City. And Joe Shields, of course, you know, he's got. a going to play a massive influence in this because he's recruited or he's played a part in the other signings even Joe Ariba who's not even a Man City uh, product and Liam DeLapp's really highly rated by Joe Shields by the recruitment team who have been tracking him I think for the last 18 months but he's never seemed to go anywhere and Slampton are bold they want to sign him on a permanent deal where I think at the moment Man City are looking at at loans and that speaks volumes, really, of how highly Man City value him. Because you see, with the likes of Romeo Lavan, they're they're quite content to sell him with a buyback clause, where they're not even entertaining that at the moment. With Liam Delap, so I think he's Slams' his number one priority. But there are other signings that are, are more experienced here. Yeah.
0: Interesting stuff. Then, so I mean, you know, talking about the what you know, players who have played in pre season and 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 have featured regularly. Um, you know, if you're looking at sort of a, a best eleven, I know it's difficult to say without mm. having. In, in Premier League action, but if you're looking at a best eleven going into into the new campaign, because obviously we've got your Joe Rebos as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wh- how many of those new signings are, are coming into your 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 first eleven? Essentially,
2: well, I think we start from the back. It's going to be Gavin Buzunu. Uh, I imagine he will start in goal. So that's one. I think then you go into centre back Armel Bella Kotchap, uh, the young German defender, 20 years old, who's absolutely massive. Uh, for <laughs> age. Honestly, he looks he's apparently six foot two, but he's at least six foot four by, by my definition. He, he will start, I think, especially with uh, Arsenal looking like he's now going to play a back three. with They haven't got a left back, so I think that might have played a part in his thinking. So that's two straight away. You then go Lavia going to be in midfield. Joe Aribo will come in. And Sekumara, who's just signed yesterday officially, um, I think he's got a real good shot of coming in, especially if Arsenal decides to play with that strike strike force of two. And they've only got three strikers as it is. So, you you know, you're looking at potentially, what, three, four, five maybe of those new signings that are coming in straight away to start that first game.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's an exciting prospect, especially if you're a Saints fan, because you know look look everybody wants to have you know homegrown players or young players coming through. But you know even when you've got those new young signings, you always want them to. I, I don't know what a, what it is. It, maybe it's just an individual thing with me, but you always want them to do better because they're a younger player or yeah. because they're an unknown quantity. And you know you want to sort of say that you know they were they might not have been made here, but they were developed okay. here. Um, and I suppose that kind of takes us on to the next bit in in the way that, you know, do you think that there'll be un- under Joe Shields and and and, and with um, Sport Republic, you know, do you think there'll be a continuation of this, this crumbs from the top table policy in future? And, you know, how does, you know, with with, with the prospect of buybacks,
2: how does that set
0: Southampton for the future?
2: I think the prospect is, is that real. I think that's going to be Southampton's future as long as Joe Shields and Sports Republic are there. I think if they have initial success, especially after this summer, with the likes of Lavia, you know, Aribo, even uh, Bella Kotchap, uh, I think they're going to keep doing that really because it, they're becoming an attractive proposition. Agents know that. Joe Shields has got a fantastic relationship with agents, with families. They trust him. And if he knocks on your door and says, listen, you know, you're playing for the under 23s at Chelsea at the moment, you've you had one Carabao Cup appearance, but under Ralph or whoever the manager is, you will play 30 games at least next year. I think that's going to continue to be an attractive proposition, isn't it? Really?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was Lou on the part one of this podcast who was saying that um, you know Brighton have benefited massively from from Tarek Lamptey in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in that you know you can essentially say it's not, it, geographically it's not that far. You know you, you, you don't really have to, to to up sticks and completely relocate like we've seen other under twenty three players do, and and maybe from that from from South London moving up to the north. Um, you know there's there's still the, the, the you know, the, the promise of Premier League football is something which, or rather not the promise, or the, the offer that, the, you know, if you work hard enough, you come here and you, you show enough to the manager, then yeah. um, it's, it's definitely going to be an enticing prospect. Um, and, I mean, have you, have you had much much face time with, with Ralph Hasenhuttle to, to sort of ask about
2: the new signings? You know, what does he make of them? What does he make of those signings? I've only met him a couple of times. And I think what he likes is the opportunity uh, for them, because he's always been a guy that wants to sign players under 24 because he's quite hard-headed, he's quite you know, strong-willed and players that aren't exactly impressionable to his way of playing, he likes to make them run a lot, he's perhaps not the most personable of managers. So having those type of young players that can be wielded and you know sculpted to his will almost, uh, it's better for him. And those players are often under 24 because if you're 27, 28, with perhaps the exception of Theo Walcott, they're more set in their ways. So I think he likes the idea of of that, although it's being pushed by Sports Republic. Having having a coach that ideally likes younger players anyway uh, perfectly suits with with the remit. Yeah, I mean,
0: being being receptive to it is is when your coach is receptive to to the to the recruitment strategy, then you, you know you're you're on the way to becoming very aligned there. So mm. that makes makes a lot of sense. I mean, last season it was fifteenth in the Premier League, yeah. although. I mean, you you look at fifteenth and you think, oh, you kind of getting towards those bottom three places. But I think from as memory, if memory serves me right, there wasn't a great deal of sort of concern, or at least not material concern, over relegation throughout the season. I think Palace were were a position above, and for the vast majority of the campaign, they were they were very very solid. Um, you know, there were as with any team, the peaks and troughs. But how do you envisage the the new season going? Because it's it's a leap of faith, you know, spending the best part of fifty million, fifty seventy million on on players with not a great deal of Premier League experience, but as you say, if it clicks, you know you've got the the potential there to to really you know build on on those on that that fifteenth place per finish and and start hitting the um, hitting mid table and sort of the, the the top half as as we saw in previous years.
2: Mm, Joe, it's, it's a huge risk, and I think this season is going to be so key for the Sports Republic model because if it if it works, then they can continue to do this for the next couple of years. If it doesn't work, then supporters. Even players, there's going to be more scrutiny on, th- on them thinking, you know, the strategy you used last year didn't work. Why are you going to continue or s- stick with it? Th- you talked about peaks and troughs of Southampton, and that just sums them up really you mm. know, throughout the haas tenure because they only won one of the last 12 games and yet they still finished 15th and relatively comfortably escape relegation. They, at times, look, they go through periods where they beat Tottenham away, they beat, you know, they draw to Man United. they should have won that game. They draw to Man City they're playing absolutely fantastic and there's periods, a couple of months of the season where they're one of the most coherent organised outfits in the Premier League and then within a course of 45 minutes they just fall apart and they look like they don't even deserve to be in the top two English divisions so they do need to find their consistency, Uh, I think it's going to be difficult with the younger players of course but there's it, just a growing feeling that Slamton fans have seen this all before in terms of those fluctuations in the form. And if they continue to do this, I don't think we has much road to run if another one of those barren you know, spells happen because it happened throughout his tenure. And I think there's a feeling that it's getting a little bit tiresome now. So consistency is going to be key. And that's why I think buying so many young players and having such faith in those young players is, is a massive, massive risk. No, I agree
0: with you. I agree with you completely. Um, but I mean, I, th- I think you know, Southampton fans obviously hope that it's going to pay off because the the rewards are so massive. Um, mm. And yeah, we'll we'll have to see. But I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing how Romeo Lavia, in particular, adapts to um to, to regular Premier League football because at PL two level, he's 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 been it's been unfair the 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 level that yeah. he's been playing at compared to his um his age mates and his peers. But but also Joe Aribo as well. And I know it's yeah. not. Uh, specifically an under 23 player but someone who's had a different route to the top level as well and you know finally at 26 at the at the Premier League um I mean after playing in in at the at the real end the business end of of a European competition but mm. um you yeah, know the Premier League's a different kettle of fish altogether but um no thank you very much Jacob for for joining me on on this episode and 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 thank you also to to Lou from Part 1 um it's been yeah it's it's been a, a very interesting sort of talking transfers episode here and um, I think I'm very intrigued to see how, how the season plays out for Southampton and see whether they uh, they come up on the right side of those peaks and troughs uh, in the end. But um, yeah, if you uh, if you like what you hear today, then there are plenty more of these types of episodes on the Scouted Football Patreon, um, on, on other teams, you know, bigger teams, smaller teams. We're going to be exploring um, from, from other divisions as well. Um, but um, yeah, get yourself over to the Skyward Patreon. Uh, keep following us on all social and uh, keep listening to the Scout Football Podcast. Um, I've been Joe Donahue. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Take care. Bye. For player profiles, in depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.